Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And welcome back to another episode of Life Exchange, um, where we exchange life. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about too much of what I was going to say, but <laughs> it's a bright, sunshiny day here in central Pennsylvania. Um, so today we've got three questions for you. Uh, these guys never help me out very much with the front matter. So I guess we'll get right into it. Does that work for you guys? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm ready to roll. <laughs> All right. You know we're not great at banter, so we'll get right to business here. Our our number one question for today. Um, which, well, mom was just saying, oh, she listened to our most recent podcast, and she's like, oh, it was really fun in the beginning. <laughs> she was I like, that so was too. nice. I thought it. I thought we started it really well, but. Uh, you know, so in that moment, you win some, you lose some. If people don't like all that, they'll go, man, this, and I'll just go off of this. Other people love it, so they probably Who doesn't to... like a good time? I, I well, that's mean, true. I was thinking, I think most people enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it while we were uh, recording it. They're not listening and be like, oh, my word, they're, they're talking personal, or they're like, <laughs> they made a joke. <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't subscribe to a podcast called Life Exchange. No. Mm -hmm. So, well, there we go. We got something. We got a little bit of personality out. <laughs> so we'll get into the first question here, which I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh, the question is, sometimes I see people trying to force their own Christian traditions on believers, thinking that their way is the only way to be a Christian. Any thoughts on this? Well, I will say... They're convictions for a reason. My point in saying that is just, if you feel so strongly about it, you're going to expect the world to kind of look how, or the world to look and sound how, how you think it should go. So, you know, I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of like human nature is that you yeah. want, you want that sameness. Yeah. This is a human propensity issue, yeah. not necessarily a Christian thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I do see how it definitely comes up in the church world. And I think this is a sensitive topic for me personally, because my heart really breaks, um, because if my people would humble themselves to pray and turn from their wicked ways, God would hear from heaven and He would heal our land. And I think it's very important for the body of Christ to be able to come into a place of unity and say, how in the world can that happen when there's so much diversity in the traditions? And it was very unique that this person uh, said about traditions, that was the word, and how traditions will divide. But if we can keep the main thing the main thing, then we can unite. Uh, we might disagree with how others uh, walk out their Christianity, how different ones, uh, their traditions, their however they worship, whatever it might be, is different. Uh, we might not prefer that, but to be critical of it, I have a really pro I have a problem with that because that's dividing the body of Christ. But uh, if we can keep the main thing, the main thing, and what is that? God so loved the world that He sent Jesus. Right? Jesus, uh, His death, His burial, burial, His resurrection, and if we receive Jesus, we have eternal life. We are sons and daughters of the living God, and in the midst of all of our diversity. If we have that as a common thread, there really should be unity. You know, I yeah. I struggle. You know, I love diversity. I even celebrate, uh, you know, if that's your tradition, I think that's beautiful because it's how someone connects to the Lord. For me, that doesn't float my boat, as it were, but it doesn't make them wrong and me right or vice versa. Yeah. So, well, truth yeah. is divisive just on that basis alone. Well, if they're, you mean being di divisive? No, I'm over just saying, like, truth thing? in itself is divisive. Like, because. But is a tradition it's e it's truth? It's either true or not. Yeah. Is, is a tradition how we do something? Is it right or wrong? True, 
But what I'm saying is someone's perspective of something that you would say is non-essential, they feel is essential. Okay, that might be a difference then. Truth, objective truth. We've got pondering. We didn't you didn't didn't lose us. We're just thinking. (laughs) Because uh, we can go to the word and uh, and really support how we worship, but I'm not going to be critical of someone if they don't like our style of worship. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think some people hold traditions, you know, we're talking about traditions like, like it's a preference, but I think there are some traditions in faith that are held so um, deeply and there there is a significance there and there is a profound um, connection mm-hmm. with the faith and with, um, you know, even, even biblical tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I communion. see, yeah. Yeah. Because that's reverent. And, and it's, but, but how communion is taken looks different from denomination right. to denomination, house to house. So, um, I can definitely see how you would fight for your way because it's, it's a firm conviction. I don't know what you said in the beginning about conviction it's a conviction for a reason yeah it's a conviction for a reason and you're willing to go to battle for it you're willing to lay down your life for it you're willing to order your life around it yeah like it really does matter to someone yeah Um, so i think there is like there's a little difference between just like a preference of a style thing and something that is such a practice such a part it's so connected with your expression of faith that you do hold on to, you do fight for it. And then, you know, you see all through the New Testament is Jesus and the apostles are kind of breaking down these differences of, um, yes, hold on to this, also let go of this. And also Jesus even, or, or the apostles said, you know, if that's their tradition, don't come against their tradition because that's helping them in their walk with mm-hmm. faith. So, I don't think it's as clean cut as just like, well, let everybody do what they want to do. I think there is a lot of nuance in this question. And I will say like, for me, like I've definitely been that person. And I think the, the more maybe naive and mature you are, which speaking from my own (laughs) experience, the more you do fight for those, the, those things and think that sameness equals unity. And then the more you kind of grow and mature and you realize the main things and you kind of realize, Oh, okay. I held really, really fast to this thing because it's what I needed in my immaturity to, I needed that structure or I needed it to look that way because that's how I learned. And that's how it made sense to me at that time. So I hold on to that. And I'm with that conviction, I want you to see that. I want you to see the th- same things that I've seen, have the same revelations that I've had. But then the more I grow and mature, I realize, okay, the things that I thought were divisive or the things that I thought even were wrong, maybe not. Maybe there maybe there is something to learn in someone else's practice. I actually really do think that. I think there's some things like, you know, won't get into the nitty gritty, but like of other um, denominations of the... Well, that's what I was saying earlier about truth being divisive, because why do we have all these denominations? Because we believe that this is true, so we're going to create this new thing. We're going to create this division or this denomination. Yeah, I mean, Protestant came from protest. Yeah. (laughs) So it's all split off, and I, um, I think there can be beautiful things in that and there can be really harmful things in that. For sure. A a lot of the New Testament, I don't want to, maybe not a lot, but there's good portions of the New Testament that actually deal with this issue. When Paul was uh, addressing like eating food that's offered to idols, Mm -hmm. you know, some were like, uh, you don't do that. And others like, I don't see the big deal. Yeah. Right. So that's in first Corinthians. There were other, Ones where the new Gentile believers uh, were expected, some Jewish believers felt like that they should be acting and doing some of the same ways of the Jewish tradition. So th- these, this is not a new thing. No, it's not. And like I said, truth in itself, if you hold to it, if, if that is your conviction, you're going to expect the world around you to kind of look like that and be like that and think like that. 
Well, even as you were talking earlier, Katie, about, you know, uh, you know, as a new believer or different things. And, and so like, I'm kind of separating truth as coming from an all-knowing, all-powerful God, you know, his truth Mm -hmm. versus my conviction. And um, because just because I carry that conviction is different than carrying the main thing, the way, the truth, the life. Uh, I mean, I could give you, I'll just give you one, whether you agree or disagree, it really makes no difference because that's what we're talking about. (laughs) But um, I was an alcoholic. And how I got saved was, I said, God, if you're there, do something in my life. I woke up the next morning and I had no desire for alcohol. And God set me free from alcohol addiction. Well, have I ever put a drop of alcohol in my mouth since then? That's 47 years ago. Absolutely not. Do I desire to? Absolutely not. Uh, Did I teach my kids, you do not want to drink alcohol? Absolutely. And But at the exact same time, that is a conviction no one can shake me on. I can be in the world and, you know, because I'm in the business world and let's say they have a corporate meeting and everybody's drinking, that doesn't phase me. And if they say, why won't you drink? I say, hey, I was an alcoholic. And they go, oh, I understand. You know, and so the world doesn't even judge me. Uh, but, But for me to go to someone else who is a believer and tell them for them to drink wine or, you know, whatever, I think that's wrong. For me to attack them because they don't carry that conviction, that would be wrong of me to do that. Um, my story is different. My life is different. Um, I have addictive propensities. You know, I mean, I'm extreme person. <laughs> Whatever I do, I'm yeah. extreme. And um, I really don't want everyone around me to be as extreme as I am. So I don't try to push that on someone else. So I think, you know, a lot of it depends about what are your convictions. And uh, are my convictions aligning up with the main thing, the basic foundations? And I like what you said, Katie, about traditions. There are biblical traditions that draw us close to the Lord. You know, yeah. uh, just like communion or something, it it causes us to remember the work of of Jesus, and that's that's really powerful. But if someone doesn't take communion, even though it's a beautiful tra- tradition, I'm still not going to judge them. Yeah. And if they ask my opinion, I'll tell them. Uh, but I'm not going to allow myself to be critical, judgmental, because I think one of the highest Biblical laws is the law of love. You know, you can have all, you can do all this kind of stuff, but if you don't have love, man, you're just a, what? Clinging gong. Yeah, a gong, you know, whatever it is. You know, it depends what version you're listening to. But it's like, no, this is the greatest thing. Of all these things, love is the greatest. And love unites and, um, and, you know, I have my convictions. I'm very motivated by my convictions. But at the exact same time, I want to fulfill the law of love. Yeah. And I'll, I communicate. If people ask my opinion, I tell them my opinion. And I think with communion, there there could be different ways of partaking it. But, sure. I, but I would say communion... I would do grape it, juice, not wine. <laughs> For me. <laughs> but communion in of what it is, as a believer, we're commanded. You know, it's an expectation mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. take communion. Yeah. So it's not a suggestion. That's true. You know, so that's, that's a truth. Yeah. That I, I guess my question would be, and, and maybe you don't have an answer for that, is, is there like, is there... Would there be a perspective that someone could have that would cause you to uh, remove fellowship from them? Or like, well, if someone says, yeah, I'm spiritual and I don't believe Jesus is the son of God, you know, kind of thing. Not And hey, I'm not saying like remove fellowship in the sense of like uh, reaching 
someone that has that perspective, but like I'm talking about the fellowship of the believers, right? right? To be able to say, well, actually, that's heresy, what you're saying. <laughs> and and that's true on a spiritual level. Um, I love being a light in a dark world, so I'm surrounded by a lot of spiritual people who do not believe in Jesus. But to me, that's my opportunity through the law of love to be that living epistle read of all men. But will I do what they do? Will I champion what they do? Will I champion what they believe? No, I'm just trying to model the way and I keep my mouth shut. But um, but I wouldn't separate, they wouldn't be my closest friends. We probably, you know, but at the same time, I don't want to cut off my ability to model the heart of Christ because I do want to see him come into the kingdom. One but the, only God can give that revelation. Only the Spirit of God can do that. One of the things that I thought of when I saw this question was, I think one thing that we have to be careful is in our American kind of anti-authority mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. is to make the gospel like this a la carte thing. Mm. Or like create your own gospel or build a bear gospel kind of thing. And so tradition and church history and truth that is passed down from generation to generation is essential for the church and is essential for believers. Yeah. Yeah. So so true. To say, well, that's your tradition or that's your perspective. I think if we're just solely look at looking at it from our new generational perspective, I feel like we could really be missing the boat because I believe every generation kind of has a blind spot. Yeah. Uh, More than one, I'm sure. Well, yeah, <laughs> sure. Like I would say maybe 100 years ago or maybe during the Great Depression, there was a great understanding of what the fear of the Lord was or the wrath of God. And if you brought up, well, God is love and God is accepting, Mm -hmm. it would almost be like uh, hard for maybe another generation to kind of like fully grasp that. Mm -hmm. And then we have this generation that God is all love. (laughs) And then you say the wrath of God and the fear of the Lord and God gets angry they're like, I'm not sure which God this is. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I was talking about, like that that the gospel being a la carte. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. Yeah. So that there is truth, there is tradition, yes. there is things that need to be passed down from generation to generation. And I would I would also challenge you to not just build your theology just around modern preachers. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Go back and listen to the ones that might challenge your mm-hmm. your new way of yeah. uh, looking at the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like I said, every generation kind of has um, a propensity to look at God in this certain way. And if you don't see the full scope of it, you could be, um, how can I put it, like uh, not understanding the fullness of all that you could understand about yeah. who God is. Yeah. Everything you said is absolutely phenomenal. And I think going back to the founding fathers, recognizing, uh, you know, uh, the just shall live by faith, you know, the different things that uh, have taken place where the revelation of God has uh, literally shifted the course uh, of things have I think when we see how the Spirit of God has uh, revealed and spoken and, uh, you know, even just an understanding of the prophetic or an understanding of the apostolic or the understanding of deliverance or biblical principles, you know, God is step-by-step bringing a revelation of different truths to the body of Christ. And, um, but... I was going in my, what I was trying to communicate, because this was all about like the the divisive and, you know, everyone, you know, my way or the highway type thing. And that's what I have a problem with. But everything you said for each of us as individuals, uh, we have to look at our Christianity through all the things that you've said, Joel, and hold fast like I said, I've got my convictions. I'm holding fast to those things. I'm not going to walk away from those things. Uh, but I also want to guard my attitude 
you know, and my mindset towards others. Because the moment I become divisive and it's my way or the highway, I've cut off my ability to positively influence that individual. Well, I, I thought it was also funny, like with the question, it's like, where people force their tradition. Like, what do you mean by force? Because my kids say that I force them (laughs) to do things. Does force mean saying something that you don't like? Like, that's not forcing. Mm -hmm. Having a strong opinion about something and having an expectation, no, this is truth, and your life needs to align to this truth. Like, I think of force as physical force, like forcing someone which in some cases I don't I, I don't know how much in the Christian faith that happens um but mm. what are we talking about like if someone has a strong opinion about something like they're not necessarily forcing like they they might just view the world like you have to align with this truth to I, I think the problem or... comes in when we feel that we are responsible to fix somebody else or make them think like us because... Which sometimes can be like, I want it my way, but sometimes it's, I believe that this will change your life. And so I'm going to push this on you because I care about you, which doesn't make it right. But sometimes the motive is really sincere and genuine like what did you just say uh, i'm really passionate about you and because i love you so you're communicating people don't always articulate that no no but it can come across like heavy-handed but to that person they're saying like i want to see you free or healed or whatever and so that's like every person that becomes a vegan or a (laughs) keto person we do it in anything that we personally have experienced Like a vegan person watching someone eat a hamburger, like, you're destroying our planet. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a conviction. Yeah, exactly. Experienced something through that. Yeah. I think I said the joke before, um, but I I have some vegan friends. Actually, my dad. (laughs) <laughs> he's th- he's going through a season right now. Uh, it's a long season. <laughs> I know. Two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. It's like the hardest part about being a vegan is not telling anybody. <laughs> he's pretty good at that. No, he, I'm not saying him. It was just I found this meme that I sent to him. We had a good laugh about it. Oh. <laughs> so the hardest part about doing keto is not letting everybody. <laughs> And it's funny because I'm more on the keto side and dad is more on the vegan side. And so we have unique conversations. It always ends up like, well. And you each have your research. Yeah, the facts are on both sides, right? Science and yeah. So I was like, hey, man, if it works for you, right? Which coming back. I like I do see where Jesus he did warn against false prophets he did warn against uh wolves in sheep's clothing that kind of thing and so being being aware that if you're if it's straying off of the main thing then that's something that like you asked earlier like would you break fellowship um I I would not want that influence to go unchecked in my sphere of influence um but that just means that I can love them. Or but. maybe it's not even uh, removing fellowship, but it's more like, what would it take for you to be so convicted of something to address someone in a very, I don't want to say a strong way, but like like fear for their soul? Um, I believe there are things I will approach people on because I think you, because it's not just what I love, it's what I hate. And for me, one thing I hate is the when people function opposite of the law of love. Um, and and when I'm talking love, I'm not talking human love or ooey gooey mushy gushy. I'm talking about seeing the worth in an individual. And so when I see people devaluing or being critical or judgmental or gossipy or slandering or whatever. I'll say something. Well, I think, is this coming from like, if you so love that person and you saw like their path is hell? Yes. Like, where's that line of like, will I just love them and hope Jesus does the work? And And when will I actually say, hey, you're going to go to hell? (laughs) 
Um, yeah, this question's a little tricky because the question was more around tradition. Yeah. Right. Because truth is sometimes yes. a little different than tradition, Correct. even though they can they can coincide. So I guess there's a different like if you see someone walking in a lie yeah. to be I being able to confront them. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, like I see people forcing their tradition, like my kids think I force them to do a lot of things, <laughs> but it's just part of living in this house. And and when you look at the church, it's part of living in this house to be talking about these things. And maybe, you know, other people are going to have their their levels of conviction. And so I think it's important to talk about it and, you know, not be afraid to have your belief system challenged or... Yeah, I mean, when it comes back to this question, I think my approach for myself is let's approach this with curiosity, not meaning that I'm totally fluid and ready to adopt something, but let me hear why this is important to you. And then at the end of that conversation, I will either go, wow, I really see the beauty in that, or I can, I'll understand. And I could say, wow, I see that totally different. And, and, but it, it, still there's relationship there. It doesn't like cause this total. So I know for me, like I'm the worst person to go to like a used car, like car lot, because I hate that feeling of being manipulated and somebody wanting to sell me something. Mm -hmm. So when someone comes to me with a different paradigm than me, I can get really defensive. I put up my wall. I don't want to hear it. I already know what I believe. So instead going, okay, let's open, let's allow some curiosity, not to say that what they're saying is or is not correct, but let me have some curiosity as to why this matters to them so much that they want to, they they want me to believe that way. What you said was very good, Katie. And One thing I've learned in being in spheres of influence that are not quote-unquote churched, where people have a lot of different beliefs, um, is that when they know I truly value them or I'm honoring of them, whatever words you want to use, I can say to them almost anything. And uh, I'm in some spheres of influence where... Uh, I say, well, as a Christian, you know, this is how I see it. I'm not saying you need to believe like me or you're going to go to hell. I will lose. They will cut me off. They will never talk to me again because, you know, I was no, there was no grace. Actually, you know, that type of thing. But, see, this is what I believe, you know, and then I share what I believe. And they go, well, we respect that. Yeah. And so I'm planting seeds. And if I keep... Our job is to plant the seeds and water the seeds. It's God's job to bring the increase, correct? And I love the scripture uh, where it says, I pray the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know the hope of your calling and the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. And I pray that for people because I recognize I don't hold the power to give you revelation, to give anyone revelation. I can plant truth seeds. I can plant love seeds. I can plant all kinds of seeds with the right attitude, but I don't have the power to give them that revelation. And my mom was preaching to me. My mom was praying for me. My brother got saved when I was living in DC. He sends me these Christian records and I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm not going to throw him away because he's my brother, but I hit him underneath my stereo. I don't want anyone to see how these Christian records. And you had a stereo? Pardon? You had a stereo? I had a quad system. It was the most <laughs> smoking stereo system of the day. I want to know what records you had, too. Oh, I won't tell you, though. <laughs> like, oh, you mean the Christian ones? No, 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 no. <laughs> so we know one was Queen. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was Queen. I mean, it was just all... It was funny because my, my kids, I don't... They had Spotify, and my kids go, have you ever heard of... <laughs> queen <laughs> and i'm like and we will rock you <laughs> like they just discovered they discovered it like it was this new thing i was like your mem used to listen to them I she might the not admit it right now 
So I know Queen. So can you give me another one? Oh my! I'd have to. Were you into Heart? Pardon? Heart? Heart? No. Oh, I remember when I discovered Heart. I was no, like, I never heard I was of like them. your kids. Like uh, this is amazing. Rolling Stones. Beatles. Yeah. Simon and Garfunkel was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. There was a was. Yeah, it was Kiss back then. I don't know. Kiss? Yeah. Um, well, did you um, say you went to a Kiss concert? I went to a Queen con- I went to Queen No, concerts. I remember you say Kiss one time um, because you... Who? Oh, Led Zeppelin. Um, I would have to go back. I mean, you're talking... So you're saying... Almost 50 years ago. My mom was cool? Was what, <laughs> she had good taste in music? Is that what you're saying? Oh, we. I, I used to rock it. Okay. And... Um, <laughs> Aiden would be so proud of you. <laughs> but all that to say, Joe, you <laughs> Let's get back. <laughs> She's Let's like, I don't want to talk get about back, my unsanctified days. back to where days. I once belong, right? <laughs> okay. So I'm... Um, uh, you hit the, you you the, the Christian records. records. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so, but when the Spirit of God revealed himself to me by bringing me deliverance, my... Nobody else on the planet could have done what God did that day. And that's where my cry is. I'm saying, Lord, you are the revealer of truth. You you are omnipresent. You are all-powerful. You are with everyone 24 hours a day. And I just pray that you bring revelation. And I'll plant a seed and I'll water seeds but only you, you know, can cause those seeds, you know, to bring forth fruit. And so I'm trusting in God to be the revealer of truth. Yeah. And and I'll just, I'll plant seeds and everyone, we're all different. So I'm not saying everyone has to do it like Melody. I just know how God has called me. Uh, like I would not be... If you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. I'm not that I would, that's not going to come out of my mouth to a non believer. Is that true? Absolutely. But that is now, if they say, Well, do you believe in heaven and hell? I would say, Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And I would say, This is the way to go to heaven. And, you know, without that, you know, I mean, I would say if they ask it, uh, but. That's wouldn't be my leading. And I did years ago when we were pastoring years ago, that was our, we had our four spiritual law tracks. We were out there telling people, and I'm telling you, there were so many people prayed a prayer and say, okay, you got saved. And we would come back and going, wow, all these people got saved. But did they ever walk through the doors of the church? Did they ever contact us? Maybe 0.1%. Yeah. And so it was like something wasn't working with that model. Well, it could also be But we just brought a- in a heavy metal rock band, a Christian heavy metal rock band to the local school, and 94 got saved, and we went from a youth group of two or three or four to 60 overnight. Out of those 94 that got saved, 60 showed up in our little tiny room, (laughs) which is now our coffee room. Can you imagine putting 60 people in there? And we were packed in there. And, uh, but it was people preaching the gospel who, who loved them and connected to their style of music and all those things and their experience. And so, uh, Man, everything in my heart wants to expand the kingdom of God, but I think some of the religious traditions that we have used to lead people to Jesus, no, if they're hungry, it's the easiest thing in the world to lead someone to Jesus, but try to convince someone that they got to get saved, um, it's that salesman, you know, that you kind of resist, and people do not re- resist love. People do not resist you when you genuinely care about them, even if you disagree with them. Well, the flip side of that is I think in a lot of the modern churches is they get them in church, they get them to join the club, um, but there's no repentance. Well, well yeah. Yeah. right? So it's kind of like uh, 
we'll we'll have an event plan for you. You know, we'll tell you all the things that you're loved and you're accepted and you belong, but there's no confrontation of sin and there's no repentance. Part of the gospel is to repent and believe. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And so I, I agree with what you say, um, but I also think that there's another side that is just as dangerous in our culture, our culture, American culture of like, we have more of a, we have a lot of people just coming to church that are in church that don't understand the first thing of what the gospel is, yeah. which is not good either. Correct. And I guess because I'm old, I can do this. I go in as Mama Melody, she just loves you. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you some truth. <laughs> and it's amazing how people receive it and they don't buck me because I'm not trying to force them. I'm just lovingly telling them. Well, that's what them. I mean. What does it mean to force? That's that's, <laughs> that's when I'm... See, I'm, I'm more yeah. thinking like... In, <laughs> or like your kids. <laughs> yeah, it's like just because you have a strong opinion and you're willing to share it in a very strong, quote unquote, forceful way doesn't necessarily mean like well i was pretty strong and forceful in my tone a couple times today (laughs) so i i don't think that is a bad thing and a lot you're forceful about not being forceful (laughs) okay there you go exactly right right. but right now i'm talking to two people that i can say anything this question would have been better if it was worded like how do you deal with an immature Christian that has strong opinions? Yeah, which to me, I think, like, I just see both. I see, like, where Jesus constantly rebuked the Pharisees because they were holding so fast to their tradition that they were missing the main point. But then I also see, like you were saying, like, when when someone has that encounter with God, like, I, I know a story of, of this girl, she just, she encountered Jesus. She didn't have Christian parents. She encountered Jesus with a Bible in her bedroom and she just ran to the nearest church. Right. They were not a spirit filled church. They were not this charismatic evangelical. They were a very traditional, very lots of ceremony church. And she found Jesus there and she, she learned to appreciate the beauty in their traditions because Jesus was in her. It wasn't that, their tradition was what saved her, mm-hmm. but she she could appreciate those traditions because she was so moved by Jesus. Yes. So it's not that the tradition is bad; is that the tradition cannot be Jesus. So eloquent. So like that's where I can see both when someone is they so hold to their their tradition because they found the Lord there then I think that's kind of beautiful. And mm-hmm. I think there's something I can learn from that and really respect and maybe even expand and mature my own view of the church um, where it doesn't have to be just like me. It can I can actually see Jesus in someone else's tradition. Absolutely. But when it comes to that Pharisee approach of you have to do it my way or you can't be part of my club, then that is where the tradition has... Correct taken over what it was never meant to be. It can't replace Jesus. Absolutely. And that's where we worship systems. We worship processes. We worship the color of the carpet. We worship what we think something should be rather than worshiping Jesus. Well, and I love where like Jesus and the woman at the well, she's a Samaritan. Mm -hmm. The Samaritans worshiped at one place. The Jews worshiped at another Mm -hmm. place. And the Samaritan says, well, what about this? We don't worship the same way. Mm -hmm. Like kind of saying like, will you reject me? Or Mm -hmm. like, this is a problem. And Jesus doesn't even really address it. Right. He doesn't speak to the tradition. He speaks as Jesus who loves this woman. And the tradition aspect of it just kind of becomes a, like a a quiet part of the story. Mm Mm-hmm. But the tradition so often divides us when Jesus, if it's really Jesus, hey, you worship over there, we'll worship over here. The the main part is the gospel of Jesus. Yeah, and those Pharisees that brought the woman caught in adultery, (laughs) they were so caught up in their law, you know, in the system, in the rules, in in the structure that, first of all, they wanted to trap Jesus. And yeah. uh, 
they wanted to kill the woman because yeah. of the structure. And Jesus ignored the structure, <laughs> and uh, he did not focus on what she did. He focused on who she was. Yeah. And in doing so, he did address he what did. she did, and, what, and he addressed them. Yes, exactly. And uh, he said, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no yeah. more. And so he said, I, uh, I don't condemn you, but don't go and do what you did before because that was so devaluing to you. It was so destructive to you. And whether or not it's so, but most theologians believe that was Mary Magdalene. And if that was Mary Magdalene, she followed him, you know, for the rest of her life. She gave up everything to follow Jesus. Why? Because he didn't focus on the structure or even her sin. He focused on her worth. Yeah. One one of the things I also think about in this question is in our society, excuse me, in our society, it's like we have said the way to be a good parent is to say it in this beautifully kind, loving <laughs> way. And when you look at those kids, they're very self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. And I think that has translated into the church where we have to make it sound all pretty, all loving. And what happens is a lot of believers become self-absorbed that they don't realize that there is a price to pay. Yes. Yeah. There is uh, to lay down your life, mm-hmm. uh, to pick up your cross and follow yes, him. Yeah. Yes. And we are doing people disservice if we try to make it sound flowery all the I time. Agree. I yeah. agree. And if we're so afraid to offend, we're not going to make an impact. Yeah. Do I think... Or like we think of like the extreme case of like or or hearing someone preach and it's fire and brimstone and you're like, I don't know if I would do it that way, but there is a truth element to yeah, what sure, is being absolutely. said. So how do we present truth in love without being watered down? Mm-hmm. That yeah. you know I think we we hit a lot of topics on this question. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, actually it's v- it's None of these are things are contradictory. It's just different perspectives of something that we're seeing dividing the body of Christ. And uh, but if we can recognize uh, the the uniqueness of all the things that we've said, and you are exactly right, because if we run, okay, let me put it this way: when you said we're afraid to offend, we will offend. We if we will offend right. people, but we don't <laughs> if have you to hold be to truth because right. truth in itself. But we don't have to be offensive. We just hold, we hold steady to truth. So um, speaking truth in love. Speaking yeah. there you go. Thank you for the scripture. Yeah, speaking the truth in love, and so a person. I'm I'm a passionate person, so I will say things with passion, but it's still when it's motivated by love. And it's, do I do it right all the time? Absolutely not. Um, but hey, I've loved my grandkids. But then when they were two, year old, two years old, I said, this is unacceptable at my house. Yeah. So if you do this in my house, I will have to take you home. And I remember Layla, she was just two years old and she was a busy one, wasn't she, Joel, at <laughs> two years old? And she did something and I said, my heart is breaking because we don't do that at Mem's house. So I have to take you home now. And I'm just so sad. I want to cry. And she hugged me. She goes, it's okay. I'll come back another time. And (laughs) we took her home. Like I, this is what it is. This is unacceptable. And there's consequences if you do what is unacceptable, because what that was, was not honoring. It wasn't valuing. It it wasn't good. And, um, and so, but I, we did it in a way that did not shame her or condemn her. You are bad. Yeah. So we, I think that's really good because I do think in the church, there are house rules. 
Yes. And I think as believers, we need to recognize that. And I think right away, the mind can go to, well, that's just religion. That's just, no, actually in the house of God, Mm -hmm. there are house rules. Mm -hmm. Uh, You do not violate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we might've gotten a little soft in the, uh, in, in churches, uh, in that we just, you know, just make everybody feel at home, but not actually tell them the house rules. And then, then it just causes a mess. Well, that's one reason why we developed a code of conduct and we hold steady to that. Yes. And those are our, our giving light house rules, but I'm talking about, there are house rules in the kingdom. kingdom, Yes. You do not, (laughs) right. You do not, you know, lie. You do not mistreat um, a widow or an orphan. Like there are house rules in the kingdom of God that I think we must be mindful of. Um, Otherwise we might make everybody feel like it's a a living room where they're safe, but they're actually not being taught that Mm -hmm. they're, they're violating the rules of the kingdom, the the law of heaven, the law of Jesus, the law of love. And basically what is a law, the law of gravity, that can't be broken. It's unchangeable. It's unmovable. And if we violate that law and jump off the roof, we're going to get hurt. So we say, hey, don't jump off the roof because yeah. you could get hurt Yeah, uh, because it would be breaking that law. So the law in that sense really came from a supernatural God who created natural laws. Well, and the law boils down to love God but, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. You've fulfilled the law. Yeah. Yeah. When John, it talks about Jesus coming full of grace and truth. Yeah. And I think, like, I'll I'll just use the example, like, with my kids. If all I would, if my only tone was correction and intensity. Right. I think that would be off balance. Yeah. Um. And the opposite, if it was always like joking around and never serious and never bringing correction, then that would be imbalanced too. But I think it's important for my kids, they're going to be healthier if they know when dad's serious mm-hmm. and when dad's joking around. And that they know that from me interacting with them, that it's, I'll use the dog, but <laughs> the, the dog knows when dad said something. <laughs> Because the tone, <laughs> the voice, right? And I think my kids know that as well. It's like, dad's not messing around right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we can't miss that in the church. It's like, no, this is truth. Yeah. You don't violate truth. Yeah. On the other hand, God is full of grace and mercy. Yeah. And he leads us, he, he brings us into repentance through his kindness. Mm-hmm. But there is still right and wrong, there still is truth. Now, some of the traditions and some of the convictions can be debated, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Some some of the things that people hold are not necessarily absolute. And then that that, that will go back to den- denominations, to uh, what type of, you know, and like I said, those things can be debated. But I think, well, whatever house you're in, it needs to be a house where there is strong convictions. Yeah. And so in our society, we can't just be like, hey, come, come to church, feel love, feel accepted. We'll plan things for you. You, um, you know, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I think we're doing a disservice. I think we could be leading people to hell. You uh, brought up a very good point and it brought back, you know, when you get old, you got a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. And we were just starting the church and we were in a little storefront and the owners above our nursery had a bowl constrictor. I might've said this in a previous episode. They had a bowl constrictor and I'd be freaking out because I hate snakes. And I remember one night I was just in such fear. I, I was tormented and I, uh, I couldn't, I mean, I I was just tormented, worried about that bowl constrictor go, getting loose and getting down into that nursery. Um, and I heard the voice of God. It was one time I heard his audible voice so clear. And he said in a very strong dad voice, like you talked about that tone of voice, it was stop that now. And it was very corrective and it was very strong 
But do you know what? I knew God spoke, but instantly with that, there was a supernatural grace to literally confront fear. And I look at it and I realize, hmm, was God speaking to me or was he speaking to the spirit of fear? Either way, I got free. And sometimes I think like even as when you see something like this is unacceptable and you address it, uh, you're not just addressing a behavior, you're addressing a mindset, you're addressing something that could sabotage them, hurt them, harm them, you know, throughout their life. If they continue with this practice, this will sabotage them when they leave home. So while they are here, I must be strong on this because they must recognize the consequences that that holds. So if you think about it, it's not just the tone of your voice. It is driven by a heart of love and a heart of wisdom because I care enough and I love my kids enough that I want them to be successful and have a quality of life. And I think that goes back to the body of Christ. If we are driven because we genuinely, authentically love a person, we will have the courage to be able to speak into things because love is guiding us. And I would say you might look at someone and be like, wow, I wouldn't say it in those ways or I wouldn't even present the gospel in that way. But probably from their perspective, they're saying exactly what you just said. I'm doing it because I'm yeah. trying to save them. I'm and trying early, to protect them. In the them. earlier years, I would, I was motivated by love too, but it was like a, it was a system. This is how you do evangelism. So I'm not even saying that was wrong at all. I just look back and recognize that it really didn't produce the level because you do what you know to do. That's why I'm not into like correcting people, even if I disagree with them on a lot of things, because everyone is at a different place in their life and there's reasons. Well, do you have a uh, some level of authority. Like, I'm not going up to other kids and correcting them. That's There you go. Another great point. I have a responsibility to correct my children. Mm -hmm. I have a responsibility to bring truth to the realm of influence that I have mm -hmm. in this church body. Um, but in other things, unless there's an invitation, this is me personally, if, unless there's an invitation, I'm not just going around and just right. expecting the world to have the same views right. that I do. Well, and I would say in that, like that invitation, I would also add, unless I was invited by the Holy Spirit, because there, to me, that always has to be in there of like, would yeah. I normally yeah. just go up and confront someone? No. But if I actually felt the Holy Spirit leading me to do that, mm -hmm. then I also have to be sensitive to that because there are times when people are brought to Jesus, you know, by fire. <laughs> so is that my normal way of doing things? No, but sometimes I like, I've just seen the Holy Spirit going, Hey, this isn't about your comfort zone or mm -hmm. your way right now. This mm -hmm. is about that person. And mm -hmm. that needs to look like this right now. So mm -hmm. yes, like in a general sense, if I have a relationship or influence, but also like just always being led by the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And if you are, if you feel like you're being led by the Holy Spirit and you miss the mark, it's important to uh, make corrections or Clean repent. Up yes. <laughs> Clean up your mess. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Which is not easy. No. <laughs> but boy, that would hold a whole lot of weight, doesn't it? If we can humble ourselves and say, hey, I didn't do that. Yeah you know, in the way that demonstrated my heart or God's heart, that that holds a lot of weight. So we talked a, a lot today <laughs> yeah. on one topic. We're, we got through one question. Yeah, but I think it was it's really important because it's very relevant to what's happening in our world. It's happening within the body of Christ. And, you know, how do you navigate all that? And we probably gave so many things, you still probably don't know how to navigate <laughs> it all. But maybe there's certain things that really stuck out and say, yeah, th these are the things that God's placed inside of me. Um, and these are things, you know, I could compromise on because it's more my subjective way of viewing things. But these are the things that are black and white in the Word of God. You know, these are yeah. the main things that I, that I can't compromise on.
Well, a good question would be, is this a personal conviction? Like you said, like for you drinking, Mm -hmm. is this a personal conviction that every believer on the face of the earth has to have this or Mm -hmm. not? Or is this like more of a global or like a corporate Mm -hmm. conviction of, of what God actually expects from his church? Right. Yeah. Which can be debated. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. Right. You bring your scriptures, I'll bring my scriptures, <laughs> I'll bring my perspective, you bring your perspective, and we hash it out. And sometimes that there's not an agreement, but we can still walk in love in that. Yeah. One thing I've learned a lot by traveling to the nations, I learned a lot about westernized Christianity. And just by seeing how they functioned... Uh, in the church world, in different nations, I did a whole lot of repenting because I realized Westernized society, you know, had an influence on me. And another element to that, like for my own, where I'm at right now is also like recognizing that I'm young and not just that my, my age is young, but that the Western church is young <laughs> and that the way I grew up in church is young and starting to look back at a history mm-hmm. and that, that generation after generation after generation after generation have been building the church back to Jesus mm-hmm. and recognizing that there are things that have been passed on mm-hmm. that are so rich and so, um, beautiful mm-hmm. and and just reaching back and kind of saying wow like I, I even just took a course and uh, it was about interpreting the Hebrew Bible the Old Testament and he talks about loving our Hebrew neighbors and learning to read the words as they wrote them mm-hmm. and so it's just this this kind of place where I've been of of just respecting and recognizing the rich history of the church far beyond my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when we do that, um, our roots grow deeper because Mm -hmm. we recognize like, oh, this isn't just about me and what I grew up believing and what I've learned. No, there's thousands and millions of people that have gone before me who have been digging in this ground. So that's just kind of where I've, I've been recently. Well, you also have to understand, too, that a lot of these things that you hear on Christian TV, sometimes these are new revelations that haven't even been believed, like, in the past 50 years. And they make it sound like, this is (laughs) an orthodox truth. It's not really. Yeah. Uh, so and how arrogant to like think yeah. well because it's my generation that yeah. had this revelation that this is the thing that's gonna like no let's have a little bit of <laughs> humility of, oh, humility and respect for um for theologies that, that have been tested and tried and studied and and researched for way beyond our lives and some of the things that we hear aren't old are old like some heresies that we hear now are not new. They they just have a new wrapper on them. Yeah. So if you if you don't know church history, if you don't know uh, some of these things that were debated hundreds of years ago, you will fall for anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The latest so, shiny theology. Yeah. yeah. God wants you to have a big mansion here on earth, then. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, if you do, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But if you think uh, giving your two cents to the the preacher on TV is gonna, yeah. that's that's more, a whole other that's, that's an a abuse whole of other <laughs> rabbit trail. <laughs> I think my grandma like gave so much money to. Oh my gosh! Yes. Well, yeah. well thank you, Jesus. <laughs> And her heart was totally pure about it. Oh, my it. gosh, it yeah. sure was. So it's more like, um, yeah. Well, we were going to go down that road. But <laughs> <laughs> we don't even if have time really for a inter- second question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So we're back to the one question podcast, <laughs> which is fine with me. Hey, if we've got words to say about it, we'll just go with it. And is now, words done? <laughs> words is done. <laughs> are we landing the plane? Yeah, I think we are. All right. Well, we hope hopefully you guys... we didn't confuse anybody <laughs> from this. Uh, if you have further questions, it was life exchange. In. Is what it was. I have a person in my mind, and you might know who this is. They would be like, "That was the most amazing." podcast. Oh, I know. There was no is. direction whatsoever. <laughs> you guys just hopped around from thought to thought. It was so impactful. And then if I was listening to it, I was like, what are these people even talking about? Give me something concrete. It's called a real conversation that jumps around <laughs> here and there. So. If you're if you think that this is you, I love you very much. <laughs> I love your uniqueness. <laughs> All right. Do you want to add like something at the end? Like, well, I mean, we would very much appreciate it if you would subscribe, like, and review our podcast. Uh, it makes a big difference. And also, if you wouldn't mind, uh, if you feel so inclined to share it on your social media, uh, that helps other people to learn about our show. So that's all we got for today. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.